Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Slams boneheads and saboteurs. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? <laughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, I wasn't even going to discuss this, but I think I will now. The railroad and the workers for the railroads. And... um there are 12 unions, as I understand it. Four of them have refused to uh, join in, in the agreement that the other eight support. So you actually have to get 12 unions to agree in order to avert a strike. Mr. Amtrak, Joe Biden, uh, failed. In September, he lied to the American people, as he often does. He lied to the American people, and he said... That basically it was averted. But it wasn't averted. Um, and just the way he lied to the American people to try and put things off till after the election with the Saudis. But those, of course, are not impeachable offenses. Um, it's only an impeachable offense when it involves Trump and Ukraine and they spin and twist a phone call that he had. Now, here's what amazes me today. If we had a business that had the capacity to literally shut down the American economy, bring it to its knees, people would want to break it up. Republicans and Democrats, independents, all kinds of people. No business should have that kind of power over the country. And yet when it comes to unions, apparently that's okay. I haven't heard a single criticism of these four unions, not the other eight, these four unions, from any Republican. 
I haven't heard a single criticism. In fact, they're all acting like they're Walter Ruther now. Because, you know, we're all populists now. Ten years ago, we were all socialists. Now we're all populists. Well, I'm not a populist and I'm not a socialist. I'm a constitutional conservative who believes in capitalism. Well, Mark, don't the unions have the right to strike? Okay. Do the businesses have the right to fire them? No. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. Does it to you, Mr. Producer? It seems to be a one-way street, but that's not even my point either. My point goes beyond that. Four unions out of the 12 know that they can hold a gun to the head of the American economy. Is that a good thing? Is that a smart thing? No, I don't think so. So why are, among others, Republicans bending over backwards to defend it? While they want seven days off paid sick leave, they want the Okay, they can want whatever they want. They can get whatever they can get. Got no problem with that. But why are Republicans who are elected to the Senate and the House, and not all, some, taking up the cudgel for these four unions. Is that what populism is? Now, no organization be able, should be able to hold a gun to the head of the, of the American people. None. None. I'm certainly sympathetic to all Americans. But I don't play this game. You know, here's the interesting thing. There was a guy by the name of Hazlitt, and he wrote a fantastic book, plain English, very short, very simple, about the economy. And one of the things he says in this book is, when you're dealing with special interest groups or interest groups, the interest of those groups is very focused gets a lot of attention. But when you're dealing with, quote-unquote, the public good or the economy generally or things of that sort, it gets no attention because there's nobody there to speak about it or to speak for it. You've got the special interests or the group, a business, a union, and so forth. It's like unborn babies. There's nobody there except those of us who speak for them, but they can't speak for themselves. And so people, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to take care of the interests of this group, and we got to take care of that group, and we got to meet those. There's no self control even among Republicans anymore. Just throw on some labels working class, middle class. Just throw those labels around, those Marxist labels, and then there you are. We're American citizens. That's who we are. We're not in a class. This isn't communist China. We're individuals. And so, I guess, count me among the few who says that if a union has the power to shut down a school system, to shut down an economy, then just as a business that has that kind of power should be broken up, so should a union. What do you think of that? 
populists, socialists. What do you think of that? And this isn't because I oppose unions or oppose union workers. That's clearly not the case. It has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about, as a general matter, if an organization could shut down the economy, that's what everybody's saying, then that organization is way too powerful. It's like Apple. It's like Apple. Apple is setting our foreign policy now. Now, how are they doing that? Apple is setting our foreign policy by agreeing to the demands by the communist regime in China, which is our enemy, which is building nukes and other things to confront us and defeat us. Apple was told by Xi and his murderous genocidal thugs that they are to prevent airdrop from being used on their iPhones there so that the citizenry that is trying to communicate one with the other because these uprisings are in every major and even middle-sized city in China and they're being brutalized, these people now, they don't want people communicating with each other. And Apple agreed. Apple agreed. Now, Apple is led by a liberal, a Democrat. Many of the people who work there are solid patriots, but many are not. Many are more than happy to sell out the United States to communist China, and many of them are. I'm sure Trump haters, while they're silent about Xi and what's going on overseas, it's your typical Silicon Valley company, very left-wing. Like the MBA, like Nike, like 150 other companies, maybe 1,000 other companies. Very harsh on Republicans, but very passive when it comes to their bucks and when it comes to communist China. And so Apple is sending foreign policy with China. Wouldn't it be great if the protesters were successful in some meaningful and essential way? I think the people of Taiwan and Hong Kong would agree. And there may be millions and millions of people who agree, not just the Uyghurs who are, who are being slaughtered, tortured, raped. Apple's on the wrong side of history. Just as the New York Times was on the wrong side of history when it came to the Third Reich and the Holocaust. When it came to the Ukrainians and Stalin. When it came to the people of Cuba and Castro. These corporations. Some of them are quite diabolical and unconscionable. Apple's one of them. And yet the administration says nothing about Apple. It doesn't say it wants to keep an eye on Apple. Which, depending on, on the day, either Apple or Amazon, the wealthiest company in the world. No. They want to keep an eye on Twitter. Now, they didn't want to keep an eye on Twitter six months ago. They want to keep an eye on Twitter now. Why? Because Elon Musk owns it. And what's he doing? He's stirring the pot. He's shaking it up. He's cleaning it out. He's trying to fix it up. He believes in free speech. And he's going to look at their records and maybe release them. And how they, quote-unquote, colluded with the Democrats and the Biden administration in order to help the Democrats win elections and to 
push the propaganda that the government was putting out in order to silence you and competing viewpoints. So now the government's going to, quote unquote, keep an eye on him. And they say it openly. They're almost celebrating it. And the Democrats in Congress say now they want to break up Twitter. They didn't want to break up Twitter before. They don't talk about Facebook, which spent $417 million in 2020 electing Democrats. No, they don't talk about them. They don't talk about Apple giving aid and comfort to the enemy, do they? No. No, they don't. Pretty interesting. You know, the thinking was to bring China in, WTO, open our economy to China, and we would influence their, their culture and their economy. The biggest push for this came under the, uh, under the Bush empire. You might remember George H.W. Bush had been ambassador to China at one point. Uh, one of his sons, I think it's Neil, I think that's his name, uh, has done pretty well working with the communist Chinese over the years. Mitch McConnell, his family has done extremely well working with the communist Chinese party over the years. As Peter Schweitzer has, has detailed, exquisite detail, with freight shipping and so forth. Diane Feinstein's family did very well. Swalwell, well, he had a girlfriend out of the deal, and I could go on and on and on. But the biggest problem is Biden. The Biden crime family made tens of millions of dollars from the Communist Chinese Party, which is exactly why the FBI, the DOJ, the U.S. Attorney's offices, the media, and the Democrat Party are doing everything humanly possible to pr- protect him and keep him in a cocoon and attack Republicans for wanting to investigate. Imagine that. Democrats investigate for five years, and the Republicans aren't even in yet. Oh, they want to investigate. What about inflation? Yeah, we're not buying that. No, we're not buying that. And what about the media? and the communist Chinese. Well, I want to talk about that in the next segment because the New York Times, as I briefly commented on, has a habit of being on the wrong side of history. In fact, worse, it has a habit of helping to prop up the most genocidal, genocidal bloodthirsty, horrific regimes to ever, to ever exist on the face of the planet. I'll explain more when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. 
And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Short segment here, so we'll address some here and move to the next segment after the bottom. But anybody with even a passing knowledge of communist China and Mao Zedong and subsequent genocidal dictators there knows that Mao slaughtered more people than Stalin. He slaughtered more people than the Third Reich. He slaughtered more people than any other human being on the face of the earth. The Long March, the Great Leap Forward, all kinds of fancy names. All kinds of fancy names that Democrats in our country are very good at putting out. You know, Big New Deal, Fair Deal, Schlemmy, or whatever. But that's the way it works. He was about as pure of a Marxist as there ever was. And that isn't really saying anything, because Marx was not very clear himself. But that said... He really believed that you had to destroy the existing society. He really believed that in order to do that, you needed to destroy slaughter, the most educated among them. Lawyers, teachers, students, didn't matter who they were or what they did, they needed to go. Anybody who represented prior economic systems needed to be slaughtered. You needed to abolish the family. So they had abortion requirements and you were a child or person of the state. Takes a village, you may have heard of that. Not interested in any competition of ideas, not interested in free speech, not interested in freedom of association, certainly not interested in the right to bear arms, no private property rights, nothing. And as Marx suggested, people were moved from the cities, urban areas, into the countryside, where many of them starved to death because they knew nothing about agriculture. Tens of millions of people starved to death or were slaughtered by Mao and his Marxist revolution. Tens of millions. Now, with that background, stick with me. I want to explain something to you when we come back. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. 
My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. TikTok, by the way, if your kids are on TikTok, get them the hell off of it. There's already a, a data file on your children if they're on TikTok in communist China, which will follow them the rest of their lives. Get off it as fast as you can. It's very interesting now that Democrats and Republicans agree. Uh, But there was a man a few years back who said the same thing. And it was Trump. But it took years, of course, to, to come around. Because I had to wait for enough distance between him and this. I guess I should silence that, Mr. Producer. Hold on one second, folks. Hold on, there we go. We've got a lot to go over here, at least I do. I'm working on it. Uh, anyway, uh, I didn't get it yet. Hold on, folks. I don't want that to keep dinging while we're doing this. All right, so I wanted to talk about the uh, on China, the media, the New York Times. MRC Newsbusters. I had this in my book, Liberty and Tyranny, at one point as well. New York Times, Thomas Friedman. Again, this is a guy who has God knows how many Pulitzer Prizes for sitting on his ass and uh, spreading methane in his, in his dining room. Again, praises communist China for getting things done. Hmm. By Clay Waters. This is from 2009. New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman again showed a disturbing affection for China's dictatorship, attacking Republican stubbornness on health care and climate change legislation in a column he called Our One-Party Democracy. Friedman pleaded for enlightened autocrats, able to get things accomplished against the will of the people for their own good. Here's what he wrote in part. Again, this is Washington Times. Watching both the health care and climate energy debates in Congress... It's hard not to draw the following conclusion. There's only one thing worse than one-party autocracy. It's one-party democracy, which is what we have in America today. One-party autocracy certainly has its drawbacks. Just see how cold-blooded these leftists are? But when it is led by a reasonably enlightened group of people, as China is today, it can also have great advantages. That one party can just impose the politically difficult but critically important policies needed to move a society forward in the 21st century. So here we have Thomas Friedman rejecting all historical knowledge and experience about one-party autocratic rule, rejecting it completely. A world that has experienced imperial Japan and fascistic Italy and fascistic Germany communist Soviet a world that has experienced all this and the consequences the human consequences and he writes something like this 
for which he is praised. That one party can just impose the politically difficult but critically important policies needed to move a society forward in the 21st century. So ignorant is this man that he doesn't even acknowledge that one of the policies they might enforce is his imprisonment. Because he sits on his seven acres or so in an extremely wealthy neighborhood in Maryland outside of Washington. His wife, he married into great wealth. And this is how the guy thinks. He's your typical leftist with no damn experience who never gets dirt under his fingernails. And this is how he thinks. It's not an accident, he writes, that China's committed to overtaking us in electric cars, solar power, energy efficiency, batteries, nuclear power, and wind power. It's because he, like too many, are secularists when it comes to their faith. But they are true believers and practitioners when it comes to their ideology. China's leaders understand that in a world of exploding populations and rising, emerging middle market middle classes, demand for clean power and energy efficiency is going to soar. Look how wrong he was. All the coal plants they're building. One a day, I think I read, or one a week. Beijing wants to make sure that it owns that industry and is ordering the policies to do that, including boosting gasoline prices from the top down. Wow, sounds like Biden. So I assume Friedman will write a piece praising Biden for his communist Chinese-like practices. As a bonus delusion, Friedman calls the big-spending czar-crazy Barack Obama a centrist. Now, Friedman has praised communist China's power to get things done before. In an August 27, 2008 column during the Summer Olympics, hosted by Beijing, he praised the concentrated state power, quote-unquote, of China. China did not build the magnificent $43 billion infrastructure for these games or put on the unparalleled opening and closing ceremonies simply by the dumb luck of discovering oil. No, it was the culmination of seven years of national investment, planning, concentrated state power, national mobilization, and hard work. Now, that national mobilization included displacing over a million of its citizens to make way for the Olympic pageantry, something Friedman didn't bother mentioning. But the concentrated state power... That's what they want. That's what they want in this country. That's why they want centralized health care. That's why they, they want all the decision-making being made by a relative handful of people. This isn't new. But it's tyrannical. This is why they don't believe in the individual human being. This is why when it comes to abortion, you're not supposed to think of human life. Human life doesn't matter. And they pretend that they care. They don't care. Do they care about inflation? No. Do they care about increased gas prices? No, they caused the two of them. Do they care about an open border with fentanyl coming in? No. Or they do something about it. Do they care about supply chain problems? No. Or they do something about it. You got probably the most incompetent Secretary of Transportation in history, who they are grooming as the next president. That's what's taking place. 
And of course, we can't investigate the Bidens. No, 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 no. You can't investigate the Bidens, and yet, they're still investigating Trump. They still want to put Trump in prison. The Supreme Court really has become, in many ways, so thoroughly pathetic under John Roberts. And he always is able to pull one or two of these pseudo-conservatives with him. Here we have a man in the White House who's all gummed up with the Communist Chinese. Period. Okay. But he's not to be investigated. No special counsel for him. That's what the special counsel were created for. That's why. Not for the opposition party candidate who's seeking the Republican nomination, but for the existing president who oversees the Department of Justice. No special counsel. Because it would lead right to Joe Biden. He'd be required to give testimony. That's why. Because they know Hunter's the fall guy. But when it comes to communist China, he gets a pass, Apple gets a pass, the NBA gets a pass, Nike gets a pass, Bloomberg gets a pass, they all get a pass. They all get a pass. What's that all about? Well, you tell me. But look at the similarities. I'm not talking about death camps and so forth, but I'm talking about the ideology. You just heard what Thomas Friedman said. He doesn't so much care about the Constitution or due process, private property rights, individual liberty, except when it comes to his multi-million dollar estate and his ability to write and make a living and so forth. But when it comes to yours, they don't care. Private sector, shut down, slammed down during COVID. If we have one hour of government shutdown, it'll be like the earth is, is collapsing. Why? Because that's where the ruling class is. That's where they get their power, the bureaucracy, the government, the politicians. They don't get it from you. Screw you. And so just like communist China, more and more, more and more, they're sanctioning speech. We can't have disinformation out there. Ladies and gentlemen, the entire Democrat Party and its ideology is built on disinformation and misinformation. That is a lie. Its entire ideology is a lie. Joe Biden has built his career on lies. And so it's not about disinformation or misinformation they care about. They're not the possessors of truth. They're not the people who want to speak what is in fact a fact or the truth. They want to clear the playing field. This administration is more hostile to free speech than even the Obama administration. This administration is more hostile to free speech than any administration in modern American history since the Civil War. Even more than Woodrow Wilson. And this administration does it with big tech. That's why they hate this guy, Elon Musk. They're afraid he might reveal something. Notice all the Democrat talking heads are on TV. They're in Congress. They're all saying the same thing. They're all piling on. Because 
This guy's a patriot. I don't agree with him on everything. I don't even know where he stands on everything. Who cares? Who cares? So now Musk is under scrutiny by Congress. Musk is under scrutiny by the White House. They're keeping an eye on him over at the Department of Justice. Why? The same reason they're trying to put Trump in prison. Because these are people who will will reveal things. And there's too many stupid Republicans and pseudo-conservatives who don't get it. Centralized power. That's what Thomas Friedman was all excited about. Centralized power destroys representative government. Centralized power destroys prosperity and economic liberty. Centralized power destroys the individual human being. He believes he's some kind of mastermind. They all do in the media and in the Democrat Party. They they have no intention of joining the rest of us when they accomplish what it is that they want to accomplish. No intention whatsoever. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've been warning you for a long time now. Those of you who say, all right, let's move on, let's move on. I understand. I hear it all the time. Let's move on. And what I'm trying to do is warn you. You can move on from Trump. You'll do what you want. Time will tell. But do you think they're going to play nice with DeSantis? You think they're going to leave him alone? You think they're going to treat him like Hakeem Jeffries? Another historic first, ladies and gentlemen. Hakeem Jeffries. Anytime there's a minority or a woman who's conservative, a historic first. On the conservative and Republican side, they are attacked. But when it's on the Democrat side, it's historic. Not a word about Hakeem Jeffries' election denier. Not a word about his radical ideology. Not a word about his racist professor uncle. Not a word. All kiss ass. It's a new generation of leaders. Hakeem describes himself as a practical progressive. It's oxymoronic. That's oxymoronic. They were like Bill Barr saying, I have diarrhea, but I'm constipated. Right, Mr. Producer? Well, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't work. But it's in the Atlantic, which is a failed and pathetic operation. And it's in there today. And they were so excited about it. It's written by some jerk named Mark Lebovich. Or Lebovich. Who's a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party and the, uh, and the power of the state. We'll, we'll address it when I come back. I'll be right back. Mark Lebovich. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. 
My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Just wait until you get to know Ron DeSantis. People who haven't met him think he's a hot commodity. People who have met him aren't so sure, writes Mark Leibovich. It goes on, and it's a hit piece. He was standoffish in general, the Virginia Republican Barbara Comstock, a former House colleague of DeSantis, told me. She has made a complete transformation. From a Hill staffer who was a conservative to somebody who used to hold parties at her house, very nice, uh, with National Review and others, uh, to a now Washington lobbyist, a complete rhino who backs Liz Cheney, just an utter disgrace what she's done. She was a congresswoman. She lost her seat. And in my view, she's lost her marbles. Now you know why I'm so loved in and around Washington, America. A strange no-eye contact oddball, says Rick Wilson. Rick Wilson, who looks like he's Cro-Magnum, or Neanderthal. A Republican media consultant wrote on Resolute Square. Now this is a guy who was connected to the Lincoln Project. And he has a close second in terms of looks and intelligence to the banjo player on the bridge in, uh, in Deliverance. I'd rather have teeth pulled without anesthesia than be on a boat with Ron DeSantis. Now, who's this genius? Says Mac Stipanovich, a Tallahassee lobbyist who set sail from the GOP over his revulsion for Trump and his knockoffs. To sum up, DeSantis is not a fun and convivial dude. He prefers to keep his earbuds in. His step away from the vehicle vibes are strong. So he quotes Comstock, Wilson, and some guy named uh, Mac whatever. To stipulate, none of this is necessarily disqualifying. The contrary could lead DeSantis' credibility as an outsider irritant. He's not just another smoothie politician, not part of the establishment. Since Trump descended his escalator and dragged the GOP down with him, he writes, the party has shown a persistent tolerance, even inclination, for churlish bastards. Just as long as they are churlish toward the right rascals, reprobates, and agents of wokeness. Oh, he's a listener. See the vicious attack on DeSantis? DeSantis has a Trumpian proficiency for identifying these. If that leads to cruel treatment of vulnerable populations, refugees, gay, and transgender teens, even better. Even better. But no shortage of alleged heavyweights have entered previous primary races only to reveal themselves as decidedly not ready for prime time. Or even late night C-SPAN. Political handicappers and fundraisers overhype them. Expectations create a crypto-like bubble. Then they finally show up and fail to dazzle. The gloss fades fast. You can ask President 
Beto O'Rourke about this. I think he's going to run into some challenges, says Carlos Corbello, a former Republican congressman from Florida who served with DeSantis. It's that question that often comes up in politics, the question of would you want to have a beer with him? Now, I want to continue this because I'm telling you now that they've got all kinds of political guns aimed at this guy. And you're going to have to be tough and you're going to have to fight back and push back. Because it's not, okay, we got Trump. Okay, now DeSantis. We can it's not going to work that way. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. So I want to continue because the... More than the first political bullet, the first missile has been fired at DeSantis now, laying the groundwork for what will be more. This is the Atlantic, a guy by the name of Mark Leibovich. But no shortage of alleged heavyweights have entered previous primary races only to reveal themselves as decidedly not ready for prime time, or even a late-night C-SPAN. I think he's going to run into some challenges, says Carlos Curbelo, former Republican congressman from Florida who served with DeSantis. It's that question that often comes up in politics, the question of would you want to have a beer with him? This is a big-time cliche, of course, but it does feel pertinent. Will he grow on voters like a catchy song or like mold? DeSantis has this robotic quality that he has to shed, Corbello said, Everything else checks the box. He's smart, competent, committed to his ideology. He just has to humanize himself. Oh, you mean like Biden? Hmm. And while Trump will be running, DeSantis, through his patented dehumanizer machine, he writes, which made such mashed mush of his rivals in 2016, Trump's efficient cartooning of low-energy Jeb Little Marco and Lion Ted left them flailing pathetically. On a debate stage, all of Trump's strengths go straight to DeSantis's weaknesses, said this once Republican lobbyist who's now no longer. Trump has energy and presence. See how they're going to build up Trump now? After brutalizing him in order to tear down DeSantis. I'm just alerting you to this. Trump has energy and presence. DeSantis is dour and doesn't impro improvise particularly well. People who are appropriately uh, sycophantic to Trump swear he possesses a certain charm and charisma. Even those who are eagle to vouch for DeSantis don't say this about him. He would launch any charm offensive unarmed. My sense is that Trump would gut DeSantis with a dull deer antler, said Stepanovich, the former Republican 
lobbyist who has a taste for violent animal metaphors. He also predicted that Trump would club DeSantis like a baby seal. In fairness, DeSantis is not completely defenseless. So far, Trump has whined that DeSantis has not been sufficiently loyal or classic toward him. DeSantis brushed it off as just noise. Like Trump, DeSantis has a feral, shameless quality. As an underdog candidate for governor in 2018, DeSantis showed a remarkable willingness to prostrate himself before the then-president, even by the cringy standards of Trump-era toadyism. The apex, or nadir, of this effort involved an ad in which the candidate is shown reading a bedtime story to his baby son, the latter clad in a red Make America Great Again onesie. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired, the doting dad reads. The gambit proved widely effective for DeSantis, propelling the backbencher congressman to an upset victory in the Republican primary. I'm a little perplexed, Mr. Producer. I thought we were told if Trump endorses somebody, they lose. So many complexities to the obsession and hate of the left. Are ready at contradictions. There might be no better example of a candidate allowing his political identity and self-respect to be totally devoured by his allegiance to Trump, at least for as long as it suited him. For the sake of the child, hopefully this scene will never be spoken of again. You see what I mean? This guy's a punk who's running this thing. The pure nerve that allowed DeSantis to so debase himself before Trump and then promptly turn against his former kingmaker could serve him well. Is that what happened? No, that's not what happened. DeSantis understands intuitively that loyalty in politics can be a loser's proposition. Ron's strength as a politician is that he doesn't give an F, a Republican consultant told The New Yorker. Ron's weakness as a politician is he doesn't give an F. Who are all these people and where does he find... Again, he does it in order to, to push a narrative. I don't think Ron hangs out with anybody. From what I can tell, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie said during an appearance on the Ruthless podcast, this guy's such a clown, Christie. He thinks he's going to clear the field. The only thing he can clear is a buffet. Christie, who encountered DeSantis at the Republican Governors Association meeting, said his Florida counterpart tended to remain cocooned inside his entourage. I don't see him hanging out with the other governors. Yeah, that Christie, he's a party guy. He's a party guy. You know that, Mr. Producer? Nobody chows down the cocktails like he does. DeSantis works, and, and really, Christie, you're such a jackass to play into this like this. What do you stand for, you slob? Why don't you give us some substance? You're going to go around and trash mouth every Republican? Who's a conservative? Is that it? Because that's what they're going to do, America. DeSantis works harder than Trump does, he writes, and is more disciplined and capable of adapting. He attended Yale and Harvard Law School and clearly took some classes in populism. Could conceivably grow more adept at carrying on conversations in diners and pretending to care about the pet issues of self-important state reps in the North County. And there he ends it. And I'll tell you what's interesting. He has no idea who DeSantis is. I do. DeSantis goes into diners all the time unannounced and has a good time talking to the people there. DeSantis has worked to try and change local school boards at the local level. 
working not just with local politicians, but talking to parents and taxpayers. DeSantis, during COVID, he would go into nursing homes and assisted living homes. He would do all those things. This guy has no idea. He didn't actually go to Florida and find out anything. He talks to Barbara Comstock, who's now a lobbyist in Washington, D.C., and lives in a wealthy home in McLean, Virginia. And he talks to other reprobates and other grifters. That's how they get their story. And so DeSantis has a massive electoral victory, but you wouldn't know it reading this piece. He doesn't connect with people. How do you get that many votes? A million and a half more votes than your opponent not connect with people. I'm a resident now of Florida. Spent time in Virginia too, but I'm a resident of Florida and spend more time there. I see what goes on there. The people love him there. They love his policies. They love the way he talks to the media. They love his his association and his easy kind of talking with, with, with what we'll call common people. He's nothing like this article says. This clown, he, he goes to a, a lobbyist, goes to another congressman, Comstock, who's now a lobbyist, talks to a former Republican from Florida, and talks to a Democrat, and somebody anonymously. And those are his sources. He didn't go down there and talk to anybody in a diner. Talk to the people in Fort Myers Beach. And that whole part of Florida, they get whacked. You know, he's still working that hurricane, as well as the second hurricane, Ian. Ask them what they think about the governor. And don't cherry pick people, just ask randomly. But they don't do that either. They're just starting with DeSantis, I'm sorry to say. They'll try and find some financial issue, some, some girlfriend when he was, you know, 16 years old, somebody with a picture with him, uh, maybe throwing a firecracker at, 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 you know, during July. Who knows? They will do whatever they can and whatever they, they can get away with because they want a Chris Christie to be a nominee because they know that slob can't win. And even if he does, they know he'll be one of them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data. Just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. 
some of you might be wondering, although I haven't heard it, but you might be wondering, Mark, why are you so frustrated and unhappy with these five conservatives who are saying they won't vote for McCarthy? Folks, there's two reasons for this. One is they don't have anybody to defeat McCarthy. This is all drama. And if they screw up, you could wind up with a Democrat speaker or a speaker who's incredibly moderate with a few of the moderate, disloyal Republicans throwing in with the Democrats. So it's a stupid game to play when you have no plan B. Number two, and equally if not more important, this lame duck session is dangerous. Mitch McConnell is working with Schumer to try and push through a massive omnibus spending bill and then a massive debt ceiling increase with the support of the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. This is what he does. I know what he does. This is what he does. So while these five are stirring the pot and telling us they're going to get some really great concessions from McCarthy, well, I better. They sure as hell better. They want some of the chairmanship of committees. All this inside baseball crap means nothing to me. The subpoenas need to be prepared and go out. The committees need to be set so the staff can get to work, so they can hit the ground running on January 3rd. We're trying to save the republic. I don't care about one politician's or a handful of politicians' careers. I'm not interested in their positioning. I don't care. Let me give you a perfect example. This is a letter that was written by Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, and Mike Braun of Indiana. Dear Leader McConnell, it's like he's Mao. Dear Leader McConnell, November 8, 2022, the American people made their voices heard at the ballot box. Using the democratic process, millions of Americans sent a message. They want divided power in Washington to curb the worst excesses of both parties. The undersigned stand with the voters. We believe it would be both imprudent and a reflection of poor leadership for Republicans to ignore the will of the American people and rubber stamp an omnibus spending bill that funds 10 more months of President Biden's agenda without any check on his reckless policies that have led to a 40-year high in inflation. And since taking office, President Biden has overseen a $4.8 trillion increase in the national debt in 20 months costing the average American household an estimated $753 more a month, $8,000 a year. It should be up to the new Congress to set spending priorities for the remainder of this fiscal year. Let me take a footnote here. Mitch McConnell's working with Schumer to get this done as fast as he can in order to avoid the Republican majority in the House that's coming on January 3rd. This is what I'm talking about. This is why I'm so frustrated with these five. Let's get going, boys. You don't have any rational plan. If you do, spell it out. They can't spell it out. None exists. They don't have the votes. All this look at me, look at me, I'm a true believer, is BS. We've got battles going on within the Republican Party. One of my friends who's with the Freedom Caucus 
Good friend. Says, you know, Mark, we have our plans in place here, and you're attacking our guys. I said, what plans? Look at what McConnell and Schumer are doing. He said, yeah, they're schmucks, but there's nothing I can do about it in the House. Of course there is. You need to speak with a voice. You need to have some leadership there. While you're getting concessions. None that matter to most of us. So these four patriots, these senators, went on. Now is the time for Republicans to get serious about leading America towards a better future. The current continuing resolution funds the federal government through December 16th. We must not accept anything other than a short-term continuing resolution that funds the federal government until shortly after the 118th Congress is sworn in. That's January 3rd. No additional spending, no additional policy priorities should be included. Any urgent items that require the Senate's attention should be considered separately and under their own terms. What they're saying is here is we just had an election and Republicans in the Senate should not be part of a process that uses the remaining weeks before Christmas, the remaining weeks before the new House of Representatives is sworn in. Before they come to town, the new majority. We shouldn't be doing the Democrat Party's dirty work, but McConnell's doing it. Well, these five guys, and apparently some supporters in the in the cloakrooms with not enough guts to speak out, they're fighting a completely different battle. There is a reason Jim Jordan is not leading this battle. There's a reason. Because it doesn't make any sense. These five and the others should be fighting McConnell. These five and the others should be fighting what's going on in the Senate. They should make it abundantly clear that when they get into the majority, they're going to reverse course. They should make it abundantly clear that they won't support any bill that doesn't defund the 87,000 new IRS agents. They can make a lot abundantly clear, but not while this is going on. Not while this is going on. It's nonsensical. If there was a close battle and they had this great conservative and we all thought the conservative, well, it's great... Well, but they don't. They don't. And some of these guys among the five, they're not great conservatives, Biggs in particular. I don't know what the hell Matt Gates has ever done. Very clever. I liked him at the hearings. He's a good debater, but I don't know what he's done. It's not to pick on him. I like the guy Rosendale from Montana. I support him. He's a very nice guy. He's just utterly misguided on this. They will have my full support 100% if the Republican leadership doesn't produce. But right now, it's the Democrat leadership in the House and the Republican leadership in the Senate that I'm worried about. I'll be right back. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you could get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data 
just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I've got a lot to cover tonight. Fast and furious, you might say. So the Supreme Court ducked again under John Roberts. And now six years of Donald Trump's federal tax returns are with Democrats on the House Ways and Means Committee. The Supreme Court wouldn't even wait. Because obviously that request would have been turned down by the Republicans. But with literally days to go, now the Democrats have a hold of Donald Trump's tax returns for six years. And the only thing they're going to do with them is leak them. They're not going to hold hearings. They're not going to conduct any kind of serious investigation. They'll go through it to look for things to leak. Maybe they'll leak the entire documents. Keep an eye on the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. House Ways and Means Committee. This is from the Huffington Post, a.k.a. the Huffington Compost. The House Ways and Means Committee is now in possession of six years of former President Donald Trump's tax returns after a three-year battle to obtain them. See what I would do? I would immediately announce, if I were on this committee... House and Ways and Means. When we take over, we are going to ask for the tax returns of the Pelosi's to make sure that all those deals that were cut and the legislation she brought to the floor, all the talk about how she enriched herself and her husband, Paulie, we want to make sure that the returns were properly examined. And so we want six years of the Pelosi tax returns. Now, while we're at it, we want six-year John Roberts tax returns. He is, after all, the Chief Justice of the United States. We just want to make sure that the, that the decisions that the court issues with his signature or the cases it takes up with his support aren't enriching him. Now, we have had justices in the past, one in particular, who was enriched as a result of his position on the Supreme Court. So it's not like it's never happened before. That's what I would do. Treasury has complied with the last court's decision, a Treasury official said. The receipt of Trump's tax returns brings to a close a three-year legal fight that began with Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal. Uh, This is a guy who has his head up Pelosi's butt. Since he asked the Treasury Department to hand over the then-president's tax returns under a law that allows congressional tax writing committees to obtain tax returns for its investigations. Well, what investigation? The majority won't even exist in a couple of days. 
if the uh, if the five uh, musketeers will back off and let us get to work here. Trump was the first major party presidential nominee since Nixon to not publicly disclose their tax returns while running for office or while in office. You want to know why? Because nobody has been as extraordinarily wealthy with all these kinds of investments and so forth. They're usually a Joe Biden type or an Obama type who come into office on the government dole their whole time or the case of Obama who was handed a couple big book deals that enriched him. In other words, they don't have anything serious. I intend to see this through, Neil told the Huffington Compost today when asked if he'd submit information from the returns to the full house this year. You understand? He's going to turn them over to the full house. He's four weeks. They're off on vacation for almost the entire part of the mid to late September, early January. So what's he going to do in two weeks? I'll have his little mobsters go over this stuff and make as much of it as publicly available as possible. There is no legislative purpose here. It's a purely Democrat Party political purpose. And John Roberts and the Supreme Court knew it. And every damn federal judge in between knew it, too. It has nothing to do with the tax writing committee. Nothing to do with their mission whatsoever. What a farce. And again, this is the sort of thing that they will do to Republicans and conservatives. They've got all these new tools that they're going to use, thanks to the judiciary. Oh, Mark, the judiciary, you can't question the judiciary. Why not? You look at that judge in a black robe. And when you look at the judge in a black robe, just think something in mind. Be respectful, but keep something in mind. Most of them are wearing underwear under that robe. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? It's true. Most of them have to use the bathroom. Most of them are not perfect with their spouses or their children. Some of them are actually nuts. Some of them got their jobs because they knew who's asked to kiss. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. It's true. So the Democrats are now in possession of Trump's tax returns and the media are salivating. They want them. You wonder why this guy pushes back and kicks back and fights back. Nobody's ever been put through this before. It's never even been tried. And then they hold up Nancy Pelosi as some kind of icon. She's an icon for evil. As the first former birthing person to ever be a speaker, uh, she has created a lousy precedent, a horrific precedent. All she was was evil and partisan. That's all. Evil and partisan. Amos Amos Hochstein. H-O-C-H-S-T-E-I-N. Konsunheit. Amos Hochstein, Biden's energy advisor on CNBC today. Hat tip right scoop. Is it Amos? Amos? Amos Hochstein, excuse me. Well, if the shoe fits, so to speak. Amos Hochstein, we're going to put an end. We're phasing out drilling, you know. Yeah, we do, but they keep lying about it. But not Amos Hochstein, Biden's energy advisor. And by the way, how hard is it to be an energy advisor? Hey, let's eliminate 
Energy independence and fossil fuels. Wow, what an expert. That guy's a mastermind. Cut four. He's asked questions by Joe Kernan, who's actually quite good on MS, excuse me, on CNBC. Cut four, go. It was 10 days ago the president again said, President Biden, maybe you, you, you try to talk him out of it. I don't know. I don't know what you do when he says it. But when he says we're going to end drilling uh, domestically, that causes the major oil producers to not want to invest long term. It, it, how can you give me you say we like them, we want them to produce. Give me a number on, on how long Do you want them to do it for five more years for 10 more years. How long will we need these major oil producers to keep drilling? What, what does he mean? We're going to end drilling when? Well, eventually we are. We're going to be phasing out uh, the use well, of so oil. You're going to phase it out. So if you run a multi-billion dollar corporation whose job it is, whose purpose exists, whose mission statement and shareholders and everything, to drill oil, and you hear that, what are you going to do, Mr. Producer? Are you going to invest billions more? Are you going to spend more on refinery? Refining fuel? No. Are you going to spend more on developing? No. You're going to stop. You're going to do something else. That's your fiduciary duty. You have been told by the federal government by no less than the putative president of the United States and the pukes with whom he surrounds himself, that we're going to end your business. You don't say, oh, great, let's spend more. It doesn't work that way. What they're trying to do is muscle their way through politically, use propaganda and flat-out lies to try and blame other people for what they're doing, and they're going to destroy our prosperity because they have no idea what they're doing. Go ahead. Eventually, because you're not going to want to invest any money in in doing this if it's two or three years from now, or even five years almost. So I don't think we're talking about two, three years. We're talking about longer than that. Uh, We're talking about longer than that. Who cares? They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Why should they? Cut five, go. It just doesn't seem like you're, you're quite like the president really. All we hear about is profiteering and windfall profits taxes, and I'm going to end drilling. And I don't know what I would do if I were one of the. Uh, well, I, me- I think, I think the, the concept of windfall profit tax was the president said if there is not increased production, if we don't see prices coming down, and we see record profits, we're going to have to do something about it. He didn't say well, that he's going to do it. He we said, can't, you, you blame it on Putin when it goes up, but, but then you, you say, well, they can lower it at any time. So I, that, that, that doesn't really make sense. No, we're, we're saying SPR. that we can increase production. Uh, SPR, go ahead. Well, I, I don't know if I'd invest money in trying to increase production if you're going to end drilling. If you keep saying that, tell them to stop saying that. You, you get to see him from time to time. I mean, he, it seems like he only listens to one you know, side of, of the argument, uh, the way out there side. Exactly right. Now, he does it in a soft tone, conversational tone, but he, he exposes the idiocy of this. And hopefully for the people who watch it, he's exposing why you're going to have shortages, why prices are going up, and why the prosperity of the nation is going to plummet. And, you know, it's not so easy to turn this around should we win the presidency in Congress next time. You're talking about massive industrial infrastructure. You're not talking about flipping hamburgers here. So just because you switch a policy, it doesn't make it easy. 
It's much easier to tear things down. It's much easier to stop things. It's much easier to prevent things than to rebuild them or build them up. It takes no intelligence to destroy things. It takes a lot of intelligence to build things. And so the Democrat Party and their Marxists, they're into destroying things, not building things. And so if a next administration, God willing, is a Republican conservative administration with both houses of Congress, without McConnell running the Senate, and they reverse course, and they're able to reverse course, it's going to take years to fix what these guys have done. Years. A little bit more, Joe Kernan hosted CNBC Today with this guy, Hochstein. Cut six, go. He doesn't invite Elon Musk when he's when he uh, President Biden when he's talking about EVs. He doesn't invite the major oil companies domestically to come to the White House to talk about increasing production. He, we go to Venezuela. These are the things that that, the, that that critics would say don't make any sense. Joe, let's let's uh, put some order in that. The the Chevron license in Venezuela. Uh, was an incentive really to kickstart the process, the political process uh, in at Mexico City, which was a huge breakthrough that we were able to achieve uh, for the talks between the regime and the and the opposition, uh, and that that happened on oh, Friday. Whoa, 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 whoa. So this was really a you know a, a, a an effort. This was the carrot to get the mass murdering communist dictator who has stolen $40 billion from his own people, to start to talk to the opposition? He's imprisoned the opposition. And and actually, millions of people have fled Venezuela. So that's what it is? Well, what is it going to take to get drilling in our own country? I mean, truly, uh, the, the, the oil companies, small, medium, and large... I must confess, they haven't killed anybody, they're not imprisoning people, they haven't taken over a country country and ruled it with an iron fist, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be treated at least as well as the Maduro communist genocidal regime, putting Americans to work, less transportation of the fuel. What's that all about? Go ahead. Since Venezuela is very small, the production is tiny. Uh, the amount of oil that will come to the United States is is uh, all, the not all that. Production is tiny, but the production is everything to that regime. That's the point. And by the way, the production in Venezuela used to be massive. They have some of the largest oil reserves in the world. The communists took that country from the richest country south of the border and made it if not the poorest, one of the poorest countries south of the border. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. 
I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. One more round here. Joe Kernan at CNBC. I was so impressed with this. Cut six with the uh, hack. Let's play it again. Go. He doesn't invite Elon Musk when he's when he uh, President Biden when he's talking about EVs. He doesn't invite the major oil companies domestically to come to the White House. Let's stop a second. It's because all of this is ideologically driven. Now, look at Joe Biden. Put everything aside. This guy's not capable of understanding very much, ladies and gentlemen. He is literally the definition of a Washington creature. The people around him don't actually sit there and think about economics. They hate economics. They hate capitalism. They hate the fact that we had an industrial revolution. They're at war with us. Economic war with us. You have to be poorer. In fact, some of us have to be impoverished in order for them to succeed with the utopian dream, which is a nightmare, as they all are. He's not going to invite Elon Musk They're going to keep an eye on Elon Musk, as they say. They're not going to invite big oil. Big oil's the enemy. Venezuela's the ally. Saudi Arabia's the ally. And, of course, their policies are so nonsensical and impracticable, they're literally impossible. And so they look for scapegoats. And that's the Biden administration. But apparently enough people think he's swell that they vote for his party. I'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read the war on cash. 
Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Chuck Schumer on the floor of the uh, Senate today. And there's a great irony that's lost on his statement. Let's see if you can pick it out. See if you can figure it out, America, Mr. Producer. Let's see if you can find it. Cut 10, go. Hakeem Jeffries' elevation as House Democratic leader is as turning a point in the history of the United States, is a turning point in the history of the United States. At least he didn't say erection this time, Mr. Producer. Let's start over just for the fun of it. Go. Hakeem Jeffries' elevation as House Democratic leader is as turning a point in the history of the United States, is a turning point. Reading is fundamental, you idiot. Go ahead. Let me say that again. Hakeem Jeffries' elevation as House Democratic... You know, I have an excuse. I have a left eye that's screwed up. In fact, tomorrow I'm going in and get my monthly needle in the eye because I have slow leak from a hemorrhage in the back of the left retina. So... Actually, when I'm reading stuff, depending on what time uh, during the course of the month it is, it's blurry. So if I have very little fonts, it's very difficult for me to read. This guy, there he is, davening, he's reading, you know, everything's... Uh, let me start over. Cut 10, start over, go. Hakeem Jeffries' elevation as House Democratic leader is as turning a point in the history of the United States... is a turning point... Oy. In the history Oy. of the United States, let me say that again. Hakeem Jeffries' elevation as House Please. Democratic leader is a turning point in the history mm-hmm. of the United mm-hmm. States Congress. Why? Never before. Go ahead. As an African-American leader or any leader of color held the top position for either party in either chamber. Hmm. With yesterday's vote on respect for now marriage. Now let's just stop there. You see the irony, Mr. Producer? Chuck Schumer's a white guy. We're led to believe he's a straight white guy. And he will fight and bite and claw his way and did to the top and will do the same to retain that position, come what may. A black, a Hispanic, an Asian, whatever. LGBTQ. And he's pointing to the other body in the house. It's about time we have somebody who's a minority, an African-American leader. And I'm going, what about you? Why don't you step down? You got the Cory Booker there. He's got a big enough mouth to be the leader of the Democrat Party. No, no, we're not going to do that. And then you look at little Dick Durbin. He's number two in line. And then I think Patty Murray's number three in line. Last time I checked. 
She was a formerly birthing person, but definitely white. This is a party that relies on over 90% of the black vote. There's no black in any of the top leadership positions in the Senate. I mean top. So here he is giving a speech about this. And the irony apparently is lost on him. Lost on him. Now, Hakeem Jeffries, we're told, is a historic figure. Why? Because he's black. Okay. He's historic. He's also an election denier. A serial election denier. No, no, that doesn't matter. It's of no consequence. He's been hanging around with a racist anti-Semite for most of his life by the name of his uncle. Well, that doesn't matter. It's okay. No big deal. He's part of the Congressional Black Caucus that has had many members with associations with or high regard for Louis Farrakhan. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you trying to imply here? No, no, no. It's okay. It's cool, man. Came to the defense of the uh, of the Marxists. Well, they're mostly Marxists, but of the anti-Semites, Talib and uh, Omar and the others. He didn't support a resolution that would that would call out Omar by name. Hey, what do you? What do you? So he's historic, you see. He's historic. And that's all that matters. And he will push and push and push the radical agenda. That's what he'll do. There's simply no question about it. Do you know that Chuck Schumer ran against an African-American for the Senate? Did you know that, Mr. Producer? You live in New York. Joe Pinion, a very nice man. He really never had a chance, but it turns out Schumer only got like, what, 56% of the vote? He didn't do that great. Schumer didn't say, you know what? You know what? I'm going to step aside. We've never had a black senator from New York. He didn't say that. He went after the guy. Character assassinated the guy. Black, white, or in between. Didn't matter. Wasn't historic. No. Schumer wants power. Historic. I'm so sick of the left. It's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. Then we have people like Gene Shaheen in New Hampshire, another Democrat. And she knows that the nominee for ambassador to Estonia is a disaster. She's a problem. But it doesn't matter, you see, because Gene Shaheen birthing person, or at least formerly a birthing person. What do you call a person that has never been able to give birth or can't give birth today? They're not birthing people. So I've been calling them formerly birthing people or never birthing person. So confusing. Anyway, uh, so she doesn't want Ted Cruz to ask questions about the Biden family corruption related to Ukraine. The nominee to Estonia. George Kent. Remember George Kent? Cut 12, go. Well, it's interesting. Someone who disagrees with you, Mr. Kent, is Joe Biden. And I want to read from what he said on January 23rd, 2018 at the Council of Foreign Relations. Quote, this is Joe Biden speaking. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev. 
And I was supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I'd gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor. Now, this is important because you'll remember this took place. It's very famous or infamous. It's on video. You remember Biden saying he's going to withhold a billion dollars if they don't drop the prosecutor who was looking into, among others, um, the company that had hired his son for no reason and was paying him a fortune. And this guy, Kent, has been a diplomat, so-called, for a long time. And you might recall he testified during the Trump administration and went after Trump for, among other things, the phone call. And now he's up for ambassador to Estonia. Ooh! Go ahead. Burisma. And they didn't. So Biden continues. I said, no, I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion dollars. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving here in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. See, Joe Biden's into this. I don't believe for a second he doesn't know more details about what his hatchet man, Meritless Garland, is up to over there. I don't believe for a second. Maybe they do smoke signals or they send messages back and forth by pigeon. I don't know. But Joe uh, Biden has said enough publicly where certainly Merrick Garland knows what his task is. Go ahead. He got fired. Let me ask you something. Do you think Joe Biden holding a billion dollars hostage to force the Ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor that is investigating the corrupt oligarch who's paying his son a million dollars a year? Did getting that prosecutor fired benefit that oligarch? Thank you, Senator Cruz. Senator Van. Are you going to allow him to answer the question, Madam Chairman? I am not going to allow him to answer the question. Why are you covering for the vice president? Do you not want to answer that question? He said that, that the vice president has nothing to benefit I the think oligarch. it's unfortunate for you, Senator Cruz, to put in position that are uncomfortable the nominees to be our ambassador. Okay. Oh, we don't want to do that. Remember Kavanaugh and Thomas, Thomas and, and Bork? We don't want to put nominees in uncomfortable positions, ladies and gentlemen. And we certainly don't want to investigate a president. What are you suggesting? No, we don't want to put Mr. Kent, this lovely individual, who did dirty work for us in the last administration. You don't want us to put Mr. Kent in a bad position, do you? He's uncomfortable. He's uncomfortable. This is Shaheen, the idiot from New Hampshire. Go ahead. Testimony. This I is sworn testimony. And, and I understand that you want to cover for the vice president. That he is going to raise those concerns anytime. Was his testimony true or false that Biden did nothing to benefit the oligarch? I don't Let know him what answer his the question. Was. Why are you afraid of him answering the question? I'm not. I just want to move on. This is why I love Ted Cruz, by the way. Nobody is a better interrogator than Cruz. Nobody. Period. And he doesn't take a step back to anybody, especially Shaheen, as you can tell, is an airhead. Did I say airhead? Ooh, you can't say that about her. She's a birthing woman or a former birthing woman. Excuse me. We don't recognize gender. That's the deal. 
It's between your ears, not between your legs, at least for the left. You know, Mr. Badu, they must have a weird sex life on the left, don't you think? If your gender is between your ears and not between your, you know, legs. It just, I'm just wondering, how do they do things? I'm just curious, aren't you? Wait a minute, it's between my ears. All right, go ahead. I asked a yes-no question. Will you allow him to answer the yes-no question? Yes, you can answer yes or no. Thank you. The prosecutor who, the hell does who is think she is, by the way, it's like this guy. We will not be drilling for oil. We will not have combustion engines in our vehicles any longer. You can't answer the question, yes or no. That's it. Who do these a holes think they are? Let's hear his magnificent answer, Mr. Kent. Go ahead. Ukrainian parliament did nothing to investigate Slachevsky and everything that Vice President Biden, the State Department and the U.S. Embassy did acted in good faith to reduce corruption and help the Ukrainian so people. So firing him did not benefit the Thank you, Senator Cruz. Senator Van Hollen. Uh, You're protecting you. the, pre- the president thank well. Yes, exactly. What are you? He's uncomfortable. An investigation of Biden? We have to deal with inflation and gas prices. Well, you drove them up? No, 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 no. Putin did. Big oil did. Big tampon did. They're the ones who drove up all the prices. That's right. You made the nominee uncomfortable, Mr. Cruz. We don't do that here. Not with our nominees. Just your nominees. We smear them, we sleaze them, we say the most horrific things about them. We plant stories in the media. We use law enforcement at the federal level to try and destroy their character. But not with our nominees. Can't you see you're making him uncomfortable by asking him questions? What next? Are you going to vote against him? You're going to vote against him, is that it? But then look how they treat Elon Musk. We have Elizabeth Warren, who's as ditzy as they come. Did I say ditzy? I certainly did. Because as we know, its gender is between her ears. Its ears, excuse me. Its ears. And uh, here she goes with Hillary Vaughn of Fox, who's a very good reporter. Cut 14, go. Republicans say that um, Democrats are picking on Elon Musk. Elon Musk is doing just fine. But do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? I think that one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with each other. Oh, that's precious. Do you say that over Facebook? No. Did you say that before with this Dorsey guy at Twitter? No. How about the New York Times? No. No. That's one human being here and there that we like and support. They just support the centralization of everything. But here it's a private company. Seems to me Elon Musk is not one individual deciding how we communicate. He's one individual who supports free speech. Now, isn't this precious coming from a Marxist like Lizzie Warren, another dizzy Lizzie? Who thinks she should decide everything because she's so smart. She was a professor and she got her job on the square, you know. She got her job on the fair and square 
pretending she was a Native American, an indigenous person. They checked her out. You know that, don't you? They checked her DNA. Remember, Mr. Producer? And she's one one millionth Native American. 100% a-hole, but one one millionth Native American. Go ahead. Not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide... A dark room by himself. Is that what he did? He went into a dark room by himself. I think you're projecting, Liz. I think you're the one who goes into dark rooms by yourself. So you can avoid a mirror. Because you have no conscience. A dark room by himself. What an imagination, ladies and gentlemen. Now I think I know what's between her ears. Not genitalia. Stupid. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Peter Ducey to Colin Zipier. At the White House press briefing today, she's keeping an eye on Twitter, don't you know? Uh, cut 15, go. When are you guys going to delete the White House Twitter account? Why would we do that? Well, you're saying that you're keeping an eye on Twitter because it might not be a suitable platform, so why use it? <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Got ya! Got you with that one! Let's hear what Mealy Mouth has to say. Go ahead. Clear here. The president has always said, and he has been very, very uh, clear in his belief. That First of all, the president important. has never been very clear about anything. Is not clear. Go ahead. Media platforms to continue to take steps to reduce hate speech and misinformation, and he'll will continue. Oh, you to- mean like semi-fascists, stuff like that, hate speech. Maybe MSNBC should fire Sharpton for his past history. What do you think? Has Louis Farrakhan been barred for a meeting with members of this caucus or that caucus? Muslim Brotherhood and CARE meeting with Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama? Yes, we do not like hate speech in the Democrat Party. Never. Never. Go ahead. Uh, but media platforms make independent choices about their information uh, that they present. Well, and that so- certainly clears up everything. We want to thank you very, very much. At least you're not that schmuck Kirby. That condescending know-nothing. He's an admiral, you know. What war was he in? None. He's been an admiral. He's been in communications. He's worked his way up the ladder. Admiral, sir, admiral. What? He's a PR guy. I'll be right back. The one-man antidote for liberal media bias. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. My wife is very upset with me, Mr. Producer. She was the deputy general counsel of the company that owned, among other things, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And she says, stop smearing clowns. Stop calling these reprobates on the left and these Democrats clowns. She said, I've known many clowns. They're good people. Smart people work hard. And that's true. 
And I promise not to call the clowns Democrats either, Mr. Producer. I don't want to offend them. There's a piece at, uh, let's see here. Uh, What did I do, lose it? Yes, I did. There is a piece at Yahoo News. A long piece. Washington Compost, I guess. On anti-Semitism in America, how did we get here? And I don't have time to go through it. I hope you will go to my social media, one of the platforms where I tweeted on this. And so even when it comes to the issue of anti-Semitism, the Democrat Party and their corrupt Democrat Party media continue to politicize it for ideological and exploitive purposes. They lie about the history of anti-Semitism in America. This is a long piece. By the website's own account, it takes 24 minutes to read it. It took me about 12. Because I needed to study it, otherwise I would have been through it in about four. Yes, I do. I read. And it's written by this guy. And basically, you see, anti-Semitism is the fault of Donald Trump. Republicans. Their approach to immigration. Oh, there was one bureaucrat at the State Department in the 1930s and 40s who was an anti-Semite who who blocked Jewish refugees from coming to the United States who were being wiped out in Europe. But pretty much a Republican and Trump thing, you know. Tell me, who was in charge of that State Department that blocked hundreds of thousands of Jews from escaping as refugees from the Third Reich? That would be Franklin Roosevelt. He wasn't mentioned once. Who was it that ordered the St. Louis to return to the hellhole from which these Jews came in order to find life, in order to survive? It was FDR. Who was it that leaned on the media, although it didn't require much leaning, to censor mostly the Holocaust during World War II and before? Well, that was Franklin Roosevelt. His name didn't appear once. Not once. Whoa. And why is that? Because it's about Donald Trump. If you can believe it, if you look at the two records, Trump with Israel, Trump with the Jews in America, and Franklin Roosevelt, who has a completely phony, phony biography written by all these phony historians about him, propping him up because he was the first American Marxist slash socialist. Well, he and Woodrow Wilson. So they lie about Franklin Roosevelt and they lie about Trump. That's the truth. And they lie about FDR when it comes to race. Because that's their God. That's their false idol who they, who they pray to. Oh, the New Deal. Oh, Frankie Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's right. The great Franklin Delavan Roosevelt. Everybody wants to be him. Biden wants to be him. They all want to be him. The man who wouldn't support anti-federal, anti-lynching legislation. Not once, twice. The man who appointed a Klansman, a lawyer for the Klan in Alabama, Senator Black, as his first appointee to the Supreme Court. Oh, we'll give that a pass. A man who refused to allow Jesse Owens to come to the White House 
after the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Jesse Owens, who humiliated the Germans. But all the white Olympians were invited, and Jesse Owens was disgusted and voted for the Republican for president. Oh, I bet you hadn't heard that one. No! Or Joe Lewis, who was so disgusted with Roosevelt and the Democrats for not signing in 1940 the federal anti-lynching proposed legislation. He voted for the Republicans, too. Ooh! Do tell more. Well, if I don't tell you, nobody will. Because Maggot Haberman over there at the New York Slimes works for the New York Slimes voluntarily. Wouldn't we love to know her opinion about racism and anti-Semitism, given the fantastic company she works for? Or this clown? And you know who he quotes, among others? The head of the Anti-Defamation League. Shame on them for hiring this jerk, Greenblatt. Greenblatt, ladies and gentlemen. Greenblatt, who was a special assistant to Barack Milhouse Obama as the conga line of Muslim Brotherhood individuals and care individuals and other Jew haters were coming through the White House. He was a special assistant to Barack Obama. Barack Obama, who treated the head of the Jewish state like a piece of dog turd. Yeah, that Barack Obama. Ooh. The Barack Obama who sat in the pews for 20 damn years with Michelle, listening to a Jew-hating, America-hating, racist reverend. Oh, my. He did? Yes, he did. Not one dinner. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. That wasn't in his article either. Well, goodness gracious. Nothing. We know where anti-Semitism came from, and we know how it's growing in this country. Ask any Orthodox Jew in Brooklyn. Ask anybody on Capitol Hill who's objective and honest. Ask them. But, of course, that wasn't in the article either. No. And we'll see how the historic election denier, radical leftist, with a homegrown racist anti-Semite in his family, his uncle, professor. I think he's a poet, don't you know it? We'll see how he comes down on these issues, too. Whether he sides with Talib and Omar and AOC and the other racist bigots, or if he's the pragmatic progressive that he says he is. We'll see. And notice the media. They don't get rid of Joy Reid. Joy Reid is a, a hateful propagandist. She has a long history of bigotry. So why would Comcast hire her and give her a show? We all know about Al Sharpton. Certainly, the morning schmuck, I mean schmo does. He offered a resolution, I told you, in 2009, when he was a backbencher in Congress, where nobody paid attention to him. Nobody still does. Condemning Al Sharpton for his anti-Semitism. Now he has Al Sharpton on his show to talk about anti-Semitism. It's an amazing what a paycheck will do. It's amazing. Bought and paid for that clown. Oops, excuse me. Bought and paid for that Democrat. 
none of this is in the article. I mean, my goodness. How can that be? There's a lot of history out there. How did this guy miss it? <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, his article really is the point I was making when I first addressed this the other day. It's one thing for people who really have a soulful or spiritual concern about what's taking place, whether it be a Republican or a Democrat or anything in between. But it's another when you get these these slimeball journalists and slimeball leftists and Democrats and some slimeball Republicans, you know, the Romneys and the Christies, who use this stuff to try and smear people politically and to exploit them. I don't know of a damn thing Romney's done about anti-Semitism. Nothing. When he was the governor of Massachusetts, when he grew up in Michigan, as the senator of Utah, in all of his carpetbagging, long carpetbagging career, no idea. Chris Christie goes to the Republican Jewish Coalition, as I told you, and he uses his time to attack President Trump. He doesn't talk about anti-Semitism. Not a word. Nothing. He doesn't want to offend other communities in his state. Because, you know, Chris is running for president. You ask me, of what country? Oh, ours. He wants to be president. And so he'll get up on the stage. He'll slobber all over the place, spittle, flying left and right. Having gone to the Golden Corral prior to the debate. Oh, it's true. He loves the corn on the cob, I understand, Mr. Producer. But who wouldn't? And he'll be up there pontificating, trashing this one and the other one, because he's not a leader, he's not a person of substance. He's a provocateur. Exactly the kind of Republican that they want on ABC. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can understand why I'm not a welcome presence at most social gatherings in Washington, which, of course, I want nothing to do with. Republican gatherings, which, of course, I want nothing to do with. Oh, yes, yes, yes. In Washington, I mean, among the the national figures. Well, I call them as I see them. I'm not busy calling members of Congress and certainly don't talk to the press. I call them as I see them. That's what I do. They don't have to always agree, but just know that I do this earnestly. I've got nothing in it other than my belief system, my values that were handed down to me, my concern for the future of this country. Well, looky here. From the Epic Times, one of our favorites, Bankman Freed. That's Bankman hyphen Freed. Bankman Freed's money tied to major media outlets bringing journalistic integrity into question. Well, first of all, it is in question and has been for a long time. 
but they're on the take. They're on the take from the communist Chinese. They're on the take from certain of their corporatist friends. And apparently they were on the take by this bamboozler. Because they're so smart in the media. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried gave millions to various media outlets throughout 2022 via his family-run nonprofit, Building a Stronger Future. The major companies who received funding include Vox, VOX, ProPublica, a.k.a. ProPubica, Samifer, and The Intercept. Now, I might add, they're all left-wing. They're all left-wing. What do they have to say for themselves? Nothing. Will they be held to account? Of course not. As long as they attack us, it's worth every penny. Shameless. In some cases, donation appeared to be critical to the viability of the recipients. In a leaked letter to staff members, Roger Hodge, editor-in-chief of The Intercept, left wing, admitted that there was now a significant hole in the company's budget. According to Hodge, the company received half a million dollars a few months ago. Quote, another 250000 was due in December, with $3.25 million to follow over the next two years. Yay! Yay! Downplaying the conflict of interest, Hodge heaped praise on his reporters in the letter. I also knew our disclosed Bank Friedman's donation in its reporting on the FTX story. A co-founder of The Intercept took issue with these statements. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Glenn Greenwald, who co-founded The Intercept in 2013 but resigned after editors refused to publish his reporting on Hunter Biden's laptop ahead of the 2020 presidential election, criticized his former colleague for deliberately obfuscating details about the funding and for failing to disclose it in past articles. Wow. That's the intercept. They know how to intercept a lot of money. Then there's Vox that we mentioned. Vox. You know what Vox says backwards, Mr. Producer? Oxiv. Oxiv. You know what that means? Nothing. Nothing. Then, uh, let's see. Then Semaphore is a journalistic outfit founded by former BuzzFeed editor-in-chief Ben Smith. Hey, Benny. Good job, baby. All on the take from this FTX. That's why they never got to the bottom of it. They were at the bottom of it. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute the armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, the truckers out there. Thank you. And thank each and every one of you patriots for listening. And I'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless.